and welcome to episode 28 of the Right for Life podcast. I am rejoined, rejoined that is, by uh, Mike Hurley. Hello Mike. Hello Ian Broom, it's been a long time. It has, it's very nice to uh, have you back. It's very nice to be back sir, it's very nice to be back. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, two or three things today um, and we're going to be talking about our wonderful sponsor as well. First thing we're going to talk about is a very short thing, um, and I, I, I'm going to ask you a question as well. I'm sorry about that. Okay. Um, I'm going to. I want to talk about abandoning books when you start reading them. <laughs> okay. I haven't abandoned yours, by the way. Oh crikey! No, that wasn't not, a dig or yeah. a. Uh, pre- <laughs> I'm not. Fin- I haven't finished yet, but I've definitely not abandoned it. Well, that's very kind of you. I hadn't I'd completely uh, forgotten that that might, <laughs> might have been what I was getting at, but no, it's not. <laughs> hint, hint, where's my review? No, no, not at all. Um, it was, it's, it's just because I've, I'm about to, or I made the decision yesterday, I guess, to abandon the novel that I'm reading. I'm reading two books One at the moment. One is a, a novel, and the other one is um, it's, um, it's a book called Identically Different. It's about identical twins. It's about genetics, really. Um, so obviously I'm going to finish that because I have a special interest. But the other one is just a novel, um, which is <laughs> a terrible, review, terrible review. Just a novel. I don't mean it to sound bad. It's a perfectly fine novel. There's nothing wrong with it. It's well written and it's kind of interesting. But I'm seventy odd pages in and I haven't. It hasn't quite. It hasn't quite grabbed me. And I just feel like there's another three hundred pages to go. I, my reading time is precious these days. It's only going to be more precious in the future. Do I really want to? spend that sort of uh do i really want to invest my time in it is is um i know that you don't um read much fiction mike but you, well the the question i was going to ask you was actually about podcasts because i was thinking about it and, and about talking about this and i think the only other thing that i or the, the only other medium that i regularly um abandon without without really worrying about it is is podcasts I, if i listen to an album for the first time i always even if i dislike it and never go back to it i tend to go back i tend to make sure i listen to all the songs mm. but when it comes to a podcast episode especially if they're quite long then i'll i'll frequently sort of get halfway through and i'll, I'll stop listening for one reason or another not because i'm not enjoying it just because um, i don't know maybe i've got to go out or have dinner or something like that and i won't go back to it because they feel um i don't know i guess they feel kind of um, well, you know, there's another one next week, and once you've got the gist of one, you might, you know, they feel like, um, this is going to sound terrible, especially saying it to you, Mike, but a slightly more throwaway feel to them, perhaps, than, um, than an album. Does that sound, does that sound really unfair? And no, because you, you pay for an album. Well, that's true. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, I don't just do it with episodes, I actually do it with whole shows. Mm. I mean, I'm always getting shows recommended to me and, or people, you know, asking me to check something out or just in general, like if I see a, a show that's got a little bit of buzz around it at launch or, or even later, then I'll pick it up and if I don't like it, then I'll just get rid of it. And there are some there are some podcasts that I, that I love. They're my favourite podcasts. I listen to them every week, more or less. But if if uh, if there's a specific subject that's being talked about, and I know that I'm not that interested, or it just sounds a bit, um, I don't know, I haven't got time that week. Then I, I kind of I don't worry about it with podcasts. And and, and it's mainly a time issue. Is and uh, I kind of think that um, you know if, it's not the end of the world almost. And that's kind of what, what my point with, with novels, really, because novels are almost considered to be, or any book, I suppose, they have this kind of, 
um, people think they're, they're sacred almost, like to, to, to abandon a novel. Like, no, no, you can't do that. Almost like you're hurting the writer's feelings for some reason. Or that once you've got, once you've started, you, you know, you have to finish. You have to finish your book once you've started. A bit like films, I guess. That's the other thing, isn't it? People often, if they've started a film, they say, well, I've got to watch now just to see what happens. Yeah. Um, but I'm saying don't worry about that. You don't have to do that. Life's too short. If you're not into something, you're not into it. It's not a big deal. If someone's halfway through my novel and it hasn't clicked, if it hasn't clicked by that sort of stage, it probably isn't going to click. If there are some episodes of this podcast that sound like they're just not for them or it's a subject that they know a lot about already, then don't listen. It's fine. People shouldn't be so precious about things, I don't think. I honestly don't think that the, the writer or the artist or the singer or the podcast entrepreneur... I don't think they're really that bothered if you skip an episode or if you abandon, skip a few pages or something like that. Actually, that's something I don't do. I don't skip pages with a book. I do think that's a bit odd. Um, but I, but I'm, quite, I'm quite fine with abandoning a book halfway through or 50 pages in. And I don't think that people should feel bad about doing so. And that was pretty much all I wanted to say. It's just, I, I just thought I'd mention it because I, uh, I said that I was abandoning a book on Twitter and I had a, two or three people sort of suggest that it was... A terrible thing to do and i thought that's that's all right surely it's just a book surely it's worse to force yourself to read it <laughs> what if it was a friend or or like um uh, like a, a writer that i usually really like um then i'll make the effort to finish especially if it's someone i know if it's, if it's another author that i know i will definitely finish it and i'll probably have a slightly different mindset going into it but if it's someone who's you know if it's, if it's an unknown author or just a book that i happen to have or pick up and i thought it was a fancy cover this particular book which i won't mention because that does seem unfair I, I actually i very much chose the book by its cover and um and uh, the book hasn't quite grabbed me did in you, the way that the cover did 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 uh, mummy broom not teach you anything <laughs> is that my mother you're talking about yeah um she taught, she taught me many things but is there anything specific that you were asking about there don't judge a book by its cover oh i see okay <laughs> i thought you were making that joke well i was but it, it was actually true i was making that true that i was making that joke but it's actually true i did buy the book just because i like the cover in fact i found it on um um oh what's the website it's an amazing website it's called Book, the book cover archive you should check that out people it's full of beautiful book covers and this one was particularly beautiful so i decided to buy the book and um uh, unfortunately i'm abandoning it 50 pages in mm. so that was topic one mike it's a very short topic but i felt like i had to say it nonetheless and also it makes me feel slightly better about spending the rest of the podcast talking about myself <laughs> that's absolutely fine by me well, it's been it's been a strange couple of weeks on the podcast because you know I I love doing the podcast and I I, I enjoy our weekly chats, and um, we have been talking about me quite a lot recently. The last time I spoke to you, probably the time before that, we were talking about the fact that my novel was about to come out, and then of course you went on your expedition and and um, and I had a couple of guests on who were great. Thanks very much to Joanna and uh, and Nicola. They were brilliant, they were. but of course you know they wanted to talk about themselves for crying out loud. <laughs> They don't want to talk about me. Actually, that's not fair. I did spend quite a long time talking to Joanna about my own book. Um, but it's been a bit weird because the whole, the whole Amazon thing happened. So my, my, the e-book of A.S. Frangelica, my novel, which I've been talking about on the podcast for weeks, it came out a fortnight ago. And it, was, it came out at 99 pence, which was nothing to do with me. This was entirely Amazon's choice. It was 
and still is um, part of their Summer Reads uh, two ni- uh, two ninety nine. Um, what is it? It's uh, <laughs> I've paid a lot of attention. It's um, two ninety nine for summer or hundred books. That was it. Hundred books for two ninety nine or less. And um, and I thought my book was going to be in the two ninety nine section. I thought it was going to be. Uh, I thought it was going to be two ninety nine. That's what I thought. And then the day that it actually that the promotion started, which was the day that the novel actually came out, it was it was ninety nine p. And I thought, goodness me, I've spent ten years trying to get published traditionally. And then the day, the, the day it comes, it finally happens, and it's on sale for 99p. I'm worth more than that. That's what I thought. thing is, though, for you, that's brilliant. Yes. From a sales perspective, because you, don't, you can confirm or deny this, but from what I know from Amazon and the way that they sell apps and the Amazon App Store for Android... Even though they put something on a price, they take a cut, they take the loss on it, and you get the agreed cut that you would have if it was at full price. That's how it works with the apps. Not sure if it works that way with the books. I'm going to assume that it does. It yeah. it does. What would normally happen is if your books, if you sell your book for ninety nine pence, which a lot of people who self publish do, especially at first to try and gain some traction. Um, I think Amazon, and I'm probably going to get corrected on this, but I don't think I'm far off. I think Amazon, if you go below the, the pound threshold, I'm not sure what it is in dollars, um, then Amazon take a much larger cut. I think it's 70%. They basically take the whole lot. Um, but but I'm, not, I'm not in that position with Angela. That was my first thought. I thought, crikey, I'm going to earn absolutely nothing from this. That's not fair. I knew that it was... Just to get before I go on, I, it's absolutely a good thing. I'm very happy with it. And the, I was... I was Partly joking. That was my initial reaction. Crikey, that's very cheap. It would be nice to earn a, a, at least some money, though, rather than like ending up practically owing Amazon money. Yes, but that isn't that isn't going to be the case because it's Amazon's promotion. So the people that normally sell it for ninety nine p, especially, like I could say, if it's self published, then it's their choice that they're choosing to sell it that way. And Amazon say, well, if you want to sell it for that much, then we're going to take a bigger cut. But because well, your head be it, kind of, you you wanted to do it that way, so there you go. It's up to you. Yeah, and, and there's lots of many, many success stories. It's like the people that have made a lot of money doing it generally have gone in at very low, low price points, um, self-publishing initially. But obviously I'm not self-publishing. I'm being published traditionally, and the, the e-book is normally um, around, I can't remember, four or five pounds, something like that. Four pounds. Uh, oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's about a fiver. Five pound 14 it is. Yeah, which a lot of people would say is expensive for an e-book, but that's because a lot of people are selling them for a lot less. Yeah. Um, that's a different podcast episode. Um, but because it was Amazon's choice, I didn't say to Amazon, please can you sell my book for 99p? They said to me and the publisher, we've chosen it to be part of this promotion. Um, um, as I understand it, I, I, I will get the uh, what I would get normally. So, um, Which obviously, because I'm in a traditional publishing contract it's not it's not um it's not the full hundred percent crikey i'm not sure what just happened here something. did you hear that yes yeah, it sounds like something terrible happened i think maybe somebody just found out that you're not getting the full amount of money <laughs> it might be it might be my wife <laughs> what I <don't. laughs> i'm having two children <laughs> <laughs> i know um Yes, yeah, so I think I'm. Yeah, so it, it it doesn't work like that for me. But it's been it's been fascinating because, and it has been it's been a really good thing for the book because it's meant that a lot more people have read it. And I understand that when books are ninety nine p and when they're in the promotion, these promotions that Amazon do and they're given you know real prominence. My Angelica is basically two two clicks away 
um, from the Amazon homepage. Basically, if you click to Kindle Books and then go on the two ninety nine offer, it's for there are four pages of books, the full hundred, presumably twenty five for each page. But quick bit of maths for you there, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been on the first or second page each time, so it's very close to the to the Amazon homepage, and that's been great for it. So the book has been sort of around uh, initially around five hundred out of all Kindle books in the entire Kindle bookstore, and it's it's now it's about between a thousand and two thousand it's sort of been fairly consistent and there's no way that i would have sold enough books to be in those positions um if if it weren't for it being in the offer so uh it's meant that more people have read the book and um and it's been a good thing and and um it's been quite exciting um so that's, that was quite kind of an interesting facet of it that it kind of it wasn't what i expected it's the idea that you that i'm spent years sort of building up to this one event and then uh, at the last minute it's all turned on its head and I'm part of this promotion and and things are completely different. I'd like to think that you probably did pretty well out of it though. Yeah, I, d- I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, I won't, it won't be... It depends what, it depends what your def- definition of well is. It, well, I, I'm in, if, are you talking financially? Uh, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, I I, I doubt it. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm like, honestly, uh, well out of having the promotion. Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely. Yeah, it's it's much much better uh, for the book, and um, it's been quite good fun. And there's been something. Um, it's been quite fun being able to say, you know, it's only ninety nine p. Whereas before, it felt like it was going to be a bit of a hard sell. I was actually thinking my promotion because I know that I'm not going to be able to do a huge amount of promotion on this book or, I, or not as much as I would normally be because of you know expecting the twins and stuff so um I kind of thought this is going to be really tough to promote this book and people expect ebooks to be dirt cheap and mine isn't going to be dirt cheap and so it's going to be you know real real uh, tough sell to say to people you know buy this ebook it's five quid um so actually it's in a weird way it's been really nice to go hey come on it's only 99p that's anyone can afford that surely so it's been um I wasn't expecting to be able to do that or to have to do that but it's been all right it's been uh, it is it is going to be it is good for the book i am i am pleased that it's happened this way good good um so i i wrote something else um on the blog so uh, i published it um earlier on today um and it's kind of about um it's kind of about what's happened in the last two weeks since my book's been published but it's more of a wider commentary on what it takes to get a book published and in my experience, my very short experience, what happens afterwards. But the whole gestation period that uh, is involved with having a book out, it's quite long and um, it involves a lot of people and it involves a lot of teamwork. So I'd quite like to just touch on that because I wrote about it earlier on. So I'll talk about that a little bit. But shall we talk about um, something else instead, something, something wonderful? Yes, of course. Aside from your blog post, which is, I'm sure, wonderful and is sitting in my RSS, I thought that we might talk about it today, but was hoping that we wouldn't because I hadn't got around to reading it. You've been very busy. I've been very busy, very busy. Um, Yes, let's talk about Squarespace. The I'd lovely, like to. The no, lovely, be, the lovely Squarespace, Mr. Broom. Well, before, I, I, in the last couple of weeks, I mean, I've talked about, we've talked about Squarespace lots of times because they've sponsored the show a number of times and, and it's great, as we've said a number of times. I've 
used Squarespace before. If we're going to talk about these things, we want to make sure I use it. We're not just making this stuff up. We, we know it's good because we've used it. But I've never had it as, as a site that I've, that I've kind of used and planned to actually get out into the public, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, I've, I've started my own Squarespace site, Mike. Oh, you have, have you? I have. Where can I find it? You can't find it just yet because it's oh. not quite public. I'm just meddling with it when I have a spare five minutes here and there. Just because I wanted to sort of see what it was, uh, see, you know, I know what it can do, but I wanted to really kind of see what it was, uh, see what it was all about for, you know, actually going the whole hog and actually creating something and putting it live. And I've been very impressed. Tell me some of the things that you've been liking. Well, I've used, as obviously, because this is my first time trying to get a Squarespace site live, I've used it... Um, I've used it. I've been impressed by, this sounds like a very simple thing, but being able to adjust column widths. Yeah. That sounds quite silly, doesn't it? But it's the way that you can do it. So, like, you have, like, your sidebar or whatever on a page uh, where you might have your navigation. Now, the way that you do it on Squarespace is just by dragging a slider. Like, you know, that's just the way that these things should be. But nowhere else does it like this. Well, the thing is, I've used other platforms and I've had to learn basic, I guess, basic coding skills. I know sort of basic HTML and CSS. I can, I can, I can wangle my way around a style sheet um, relatively competently. But the one thing I always struggle with is, so I can change, like, for those of you that perhaps don't know, that's kind of, I can, if I just take a, a basic website, I can, I know how to change all the colors, I can change the size of the fonts, all that kind of thing. The one thing that I've never been able to do, and never been able to quite figure out, because I'm not a proper developer, is how to um, kind of manipulate the layout of a website and, or, or even a single web page. I kind of get the principle, but the technical skills are just slightly beyond me. So the actual layout, which is quite important, of, uh, of, 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 like the, of needing the skills to actually do the layout is quite difficult, I find. Uh, for the average layman, which I think is most of us listening, you are absolutely right. On Squarespace, you just drag a little what do you call them, a slider, and the whole thing just moves and still looks awesome no matter where you move it. And um, I've, I know it sounds like a very simple feature to pick out, but it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a revelation for someone who hasn't got lots of coding skills. It's, this is the thing. Like, these are the little things that me as a Squarespace user of like two years, two, three years now, I just take these things for granted. Like to me, that's just how these things should be done because they make the most sense. Like, you know, so you were saying about learning a bit of HTML and CSS. Well, you don't need it. You don't need to know any of that to have control over how to design your site. So if like if you want to change the colours of your links, well all you need to do is just select the links and then when you're in the editor, like the the site sort of template editor, and then you can just drag from a colour wheel and select the colour. Like you if you want it to be red, well just drag it over to the red on the colour wheel and you want to change the dark of like you want to make the red darker, well you just drag the slider to make it darker. Like just little things like that. It's, it feels more like a native application than something that you're doing in your web browser. I want you to go and try all this stuff out, and I can give you a two-week free trial to do that. Um, so you'll be able to go in and play around with all the editor and drag sliders to your heart's content. And you can do that by going to squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels, and you can start your two-week free trial. And if you decide to sign up, use the offer code 70 decibels 8 at 70-D-E-C-I-B-E-L-S-8 at checkout, and you'll get 10% off your first order. This also lets Squarespace know that you found out about them from listening to this program, and that helps them to know that they should come back and support us again.
Indeed. It's a marvellous way to build a website. Indeed. <laughs> that sounded like it was their strapline, but actually I just said that. That was actually they, from my brain. Their strapline is um, everything you need to create an amazing website. So <laughs> It's enough. not far off then. Indeed. Marvellous. So, back to me. I, which I think is the most important thing. Yes. Um, actually, it's not. It's, ironically, like 10,000 Spoons, um, it's not actually all about me. That's kind of my point. It's actually all about teamwork. So the re- I was kind of motivated to write this blog post. It's called Writing and Publishing is All About Teamwork. I put it on the website today. And I was prompted to write it by a blog post that was written by Stephanie Thwaites, who is a children's agent at Curtis Brown, very big agency, huge, very successful, wonderful authors. And, um, and she was kind of, she framed the, her post around the idea of rejection. And, in, and even, and, and it wasn't really about rejection, I should come on to that. But the way, even the way she talked about rejection, I thought was really interesting. Because it was writers, it was authors trying to get our novels or our short stories, or I don't know, even if we're pitching pieces of journalism to newspapers, there's an awful lot of rejection involved. And we get really frustrated and uh, and a lot of the uh, a lot of people who self-publish a lot of them um, a lot of people do it through choice because that's their first choice but an awful lot of them do it because they've been rejected several times and they're just completely disengaged with the publishing industry they think it's just a just a complete a complete um, I don't know merry-go-round of rejection where you you're just uh, going from one knockback to the next um, and um, and there is a degree of truth in that. There is an awful lot of rejection. I personally have had various rejections. We talked about it a bit last week with Nicola. I got rejected from a few agencies before I found my agent. And um, my book has been went to various publishers before I ended up with Legend. It's really perfectly normal to get rejected. And it is something you kind of have to live with. But it's frustrating. Um, the thing that I hadn't really thought about and the thing that Stephanie uh, talked about on, on this, in this blog post was that lots of other people in the industry are being rejected all the time too. And I hadn't really thought about it in that way. So when an agent takes on your book, they, they take it on because they love it as well. They care about your book. You've suddenly got someone who's an advocate for you and they, they, their job is to sell your book. So when you, as the author, receives a rejection letter, your agent is effectively receiving a rejection letter as well. And um, I don't want to speak for agents everywhere, but I'm presuming that they kind of take it slightly personally as well, like as authors do, because it means something to them. They've got on board with what is essentially a piece of creative work. And and creative work is subjective by nature, and therefore um, they you invest something in it emotionally when you get behind it. And that's what an agent is doing. When they tell you one, they're getting behind your work and they're investing themselves in a number of ways, but emotionally as well. And so they're getting rejections too. And then, of course, even if you get um, an, an editor who really wants to take on your book and buy it from your agent and from you, they then have to pitch it to the rest of their team, the marketing department, um, their boss, you know, an, an, I don't know, an executive editor, executive editor, one of those. And, um, and they might say no. They might say, you know, I'm sorry, um, this is not right for us. You can't take this on. It is a constant stream of rejection, but it's not all about us authors. We're not the only ones getting rejected um, on a regular basis. And so this was kind of how the start of Stephanie's post was framed. It was the idea that, yes, we are all getting rejected. But at the same time, what you're actually doing is building... Um, 
a team of people around a specific thing, around around a book, effectively, but also around the author. And when to get a book to actually get to, to get a book to market, so to be in the position where your book is on sale in a shop, the amount of people that have had to become advocates and I guess invest themselves emotionally as well, it's actually quite quite a large it's quite a large number of people. So it's not just your agent and your editor. And by this stage, you've already picked up, you know, let's assume that you started out with family and friends getting behind your book and uh, getting behind you. You know, it, start, it starts from someone saying, you say, oh, you know, I think I might write a book. And someone's saying, yes, you should give it a go. Uh, you know, that's the first, that's your first team member, I guess. Once you've got it in to the point where you've got an agent, you then get an editor. And if they get it approved, that means the person that approved that, <laughs> the executive editor, they're on board as well. So they become a member of the team. And then there is the people in marketing. There is the person that designs the cover. There is the person that's responsible for organizing your launch. Before you know it, you have like 20, 25 people who are really behind your book. And they are, um, uh, they are I like to think, that they're not doing it just because it's their job. In fact, I know that that's not true for the vast majority of people in publishing. Contra tr- <laughs> crikey, I can't talk, Mike. Contrary to a lot of what people say, the people that people in publishing, in my experience, they do it because they love books and authors and getting new writing out there. So you have this kind of team, and that's where I've been up until, um, I guess, the 31st of July before the book came out. I had this team of people that I'd gathered over the course of, um, well, a decade, I guess. You know, you could even go back to when my English teacher told me that I should try writing another stupid poem. Uh, maybe, maybe he was my first team member. I don't know. But basically, over a long period of time, the people that you know, friends, family, people close to you, um, and then agents and editors, all these publishing people, they get behind a book to the point where it gets launched. And in what I found in the last two weeks is that all of a sudden, when your book is launched, you realize that you have just a, a much bigger team than you could possibly know. And, um, and I've been kind of blown away by it. I've been really surprised. And I'm, perhaps I shouldn't be surprised because I've got, you know, I've got the blog and we've got this podcast. And people do get in touch every now and again and say, oh, we really like, yeah, I really like what you do. I really like that particular blog post, that particular episode of the podcast. That does happen. But um, but still, not everyone is engaged. So I guess that this is this comes on to the idea of numbers. I was talking about this, and this touches on some of the things I've talked about in the podcast before, Mike, about um, blogging and stuff. So I'm going to try not to get on a rant again. But it, what the thing that I've realised more than anything else that promotion and marketing and having a blog and having Twitter it isn't about the numbers at all. It's about having people that actually give a damn about your you about you i guess the author or the writer the owner of the podcast the owner of the blog um and your work it's people that have for some reason have engaged with you as a person or your work and decided that they want to support you mm-hmm. so on the day of the launch which the first of uh first of august two two weeks ago ish um um I was just blown away. There was like uh, uh, up to a hundred odd people on Facebook and Twitter and various other places, either messages of, messages of support, people just saying, just bought your book. I mean, it sounds, that doesn't sound like much, but obviously other people might see that in their timeline and say, oh, what's that book they've just bought? And the fact that they even told me that they bought the book, you know, means an awful lot. It's awesome. The fact that they even bought it, like that's just, it's great. That's, I love that sort of stuff. 
It was very cheap, Mike. But still, Ian Broom. Yeah, still. I know. It's it was it's it's absolutely it, it was it, it's fantastic. I was genuinely surprised and and really delighted. Every single message it just sort of brought a, a smile to my face. It was it was just an amazing day. It was like a day that I've waited for for so long. And everyone that tweeted to uh, to me at me, um, or especially those that said they bought the book or told their friends that they bought the book, absolutely amazing. I was very excited for you as well. Thank you. It was it was odd. It was weird. It was the weirdest day ever, but it was it was it was fantastic, and um, and I guess I realised that there's this much wider team now, and that now that the book is out there, it doesn't belong to me anymore. Really, it doesn't belong to um, uh, my agent or my my editor, the, the publisher. It doesn't belong to anyone. It belongs to well, it doesn't belong to anyone specifically. It belongs to kind of everyone. Anyone that reads it and has an opinion on it. Um, then it belongs to them. It, interestingly, my, the book has quite, um, I don't know, no spoilers here, but it has a relatively ambiguous ending. And lots of people have sort of suggested, oh, does the, is this what happens? Oh, this is what I thought happened. And a couple of other places in the book, they kind of said, oh, just, is, is, that, is that what happened? Is that really? And of course, I purposely, I wanted to leave some gaps. It's kind of, it's that kind of novel, I guess, where you leave a little bit of uh, a little bit to the audience's, to the reader's imagination. So, but it's it's been amazing. It means that those people then own it. The story is is theirs, and um, and that's been fantastic. So, it's this idea of of writing and publishing. It's about teamwork. It's not writing can feel like a really solitary process, but once you start inviting people into your circle, and once people want to be in your circle, then um, and want to engage with you in your work, it just it it feels fantastic. You should encourage it as much as possible, and. Thirdly, and this is perhaps something we can talk on before we finish, because I realise that this podcast has flown by and we're already on, I don't know, 25 minutes or something. Half an hour. Is it really? Crikey. The third thing, finally, is this idea of numbers. It's really not about the numbers. And um, I was listening to your wonderful podcast with Sean Blanc um, earlier on today, um, the third episode of Command Space, which is, the uh, for those that don't know, the rebooted bro show, which was... The wonderful podcast that you've done. I don't know if I, I'm saying this for you, but the wonderful podcast that you've been doing. It was the very first podcast, wasn't it, on the Centre Death Spells Network? Yes, it was around before there was a network. Indeed. Um, and you recently changed to call it Command Space, slightly different format. It's been awesome so far, fantastic. Every Thank episode you. has been brilliant. And I was listening to Sean talk about his membership scheme, and he was saying, you know, my site isn't the biggest site in the world i mean it's pretty big let's be honest but it's not the biggest site in the world if you see it's if you look at his uh he does over a million a month patrons now yeah it's pretty big but i know what he was saying there are there are there are bigger sites but uh, yeah yeah anyway he was kind of saying it's you know it isn't the biggest site in the world but and you were kind of trying to tease it out so he didn't really have any answers i i guess because you know he's a very modest guy but um, it was you kind of tease out, you know, why he thought it was, and I can tell you why it is. It's because he has the personality and the and uh, and kind of the writing style and kind of the um, uh, the sensibility of someone who you want to get behind. And uh, when he launched his membership scheme, I was I read his site anyway. I was right behind him. Yeah, go on, sure, that's fantastic. Go go for it. I'm happy to get behind that project. And um, and I and I kind of feel like that's what that's by far the most important thing to try and cultivate um, with your web presence, whatever it is that you do. Don't worry for one second about getting a, um, a billion people subscribed to your website. 
If you have a few hundred people subscribed to your website, if you have less than 100 people subscribed to your website, if every single one of those people or as many as possible are actively behind you and, and, and they're engaged in it and they're, they're interested in what you're doing and they're prepared to send, send you nice messages when you release something new or your book comes out, that really is the main thing. And, um, and I, I guess that's um, it, it's really made me kind of reflect on what I want to do with my website and you know the the blog in the future and uh, the, the podcast even and I guess how I'm going to promote promote my novel. It's kind of not worry about getting as many people to read as possible. Just concentrating on making sure that the people that are behind me are kind of well satisfied in some way or another, so that they want to share it and they want to talk about it and they want to say nice things, which is far more important and far more rewarding, I think. And I think, like, to, to link it back to what you were saying about the team, it allows everyone to be a part of your team because people feel like they are. And I think that's quite important. That is, that is the crux of it all. That's put far better than I've just tried to put it. That's exactly what I mean. Good. And I, and that's, and I wanted to be part of Sean's website. Um, uh, listening to your podcast, it reinforced that you, you, you know the podcast, the episode you did with him, completely reinforced what I what I thought. And I hope that people, uh, the people that got in touch with me, the people that bought my book, uh, the people that have said nice things, feel the same way that they're part of the team. And that's that's how it's felt to me. It's that's kind of that's pretty much what I say in the blog post that I've written. It feels like, and I hadn't realised this, and I hadn't expected it. But it feels like there is now this huge team of people that are willing, um, Angelica, to be successful. And that doesn't mean it needs to sell a million copies. Just be successful, be out there, share it with people, say, you know, I read this, I thought it was good. Um, I listened to this guy's podcast with the wonderful Mike, and uh, you should listen to it too. It's just a simple thing. It's all about people. That's how I finish this post, Mike. It's all about people. It's not about numbers. It's about people. There are real people out there on the internet. Yeah. Believe it or not. <laughs> so that's a weird way to finish a podcast. Well, it's been a good one, though. It's gone like lightning. It's basically just been me ranting, hasn't it? Grease lightning. Mmm. Go grease lightning. Tearing up the quarter mile. <laughs> keep okay. Keep talking, I'll keep talking. Anyway, <laughs> no more of that. No more. I didn't know any more lyrics to it either. I couldn't carry on. Sorry. What can I say? Obviously, I've seen the film too many times. Where can people find you? And where can they find Command Space? Because I've mentioned that, so they should probably know that as well. It will be in the show notes, but you can go to 70decibels.com forward slash C-M-D-S-P-A-C-E. Or just search Command Space in the iTunes stores. Type that however you want, and it will. I've, I've put some keywords in, and it will find it. Good SEO. So I roll, baby. <laughs> and where are you on the internet? Come on, tell us. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, for the cool kids who are on app.net. I'm the same name as well. Um, and I am Ian Broom, and you spell that with two I's, I-A-I-N, that order, B-R-O-O-M-E, on Twitter, and ianbroom.com is the website. Definitely don't spell Ian in any other order. No, people do. People do all the time, every day. And Ian, by any other order, would not smell as sweet. You're not wrong. Can you tell it's late here? <laughs> it's very late, isn't it? It's so late here. I've, I've, I had to go and give a car to a man who's my dad, and uh, it's meant we're recording this podcast very late, folks. We're, we're both, both very tired and bewildered. Well, it didn't help that um, we agreed on a time and then I forgot. 
yesterday. <laughs> that didn't help either. Hey, it's fine. This is, these are crazy times. No yeah. problem whatsoever. Heady days. Indeed. So All where right. are you on the internet? I've already been through that. <laughs> <laughs> go Grease Lightning. <laughs> just go I still don't us. know the lyrics. <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, bye thanks bye. for having me back. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.